the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into Hour 3. I've been looking forward to this all day, as I do every Wednesday. We are joined by Congressman, former Congressman John Shattuck. Uh, He used to represent the old uh, Congressional District 4 here in Arizona. And uh, I keep begging him, and we'll see. Maybe, Maybe there's another political election in his life. He's just such a such a great public servant, one of my favorites, and really one of the best pedigrees, if not the best conservative pedigree in the entire state of Arizona, given he and what his family and his father have accomplished here for us. He is the head of Shattuck Associates, and uh, John, it's great to have you back. I know you were on travel last week. Welcome back to Terra Firma. Great to you. Great to be back. Uh, by the way, you can just keep piling those plaudits on. I yeah. kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm embarrassed by it. And I, I desperately want you to stop, but whatever you do, don't. <laughs> He's also extremely <laughs> humble. <laughs> oh, John, there's a lot to talk about. You, um, you know conservative philosophy as well as anyone and uh, helped shape it. Modern. Your daddy did, too. And we were talking in the first hour, a couple hours ago in my monologue, about these statements that Chris Christie was making. That I don't know if they were more self-serving or philosophical. You probably don't don't go to Chris Christie for philosophy, but he tried to he tried to eke one out uh, in criticizing Ron DeSantis's fights with Disney, saying, "Well, this isn't what conservatives do. Conservatives leave businesses to do what businesses do and don't get involved in that." If that was ever true, it has never been true really completely in America. And uh, there are some limits here and there are some limiting principles. But talk to me a little bit about what you thought when you heard him go that way. Well, uh, I don't think it's ever been true. It's only been true in the minds of those who don't understand the philosophy or those who disapprove or dislike the philosophy and want to attack it. Um, Their view of capitalism is, oh, it's a market that is totally unfettered uh, and that uh, businesses or business people can do anything they want because, after all, it's called a free market. I think uh, the former governor was going after Governor DeSantis for purely political reasons. I think perhaps some of it was jealousy because he never made it in his races. He never got as many plaudits. Uh, He was never viewed as as solid philosophically as Governor DeSantis is. So I think he decided to take a shot, and he thought he'd take the shot uh, on philosophical grounds by saying, oh, well, I thought we conservatives were supposed to leave business alone. Well, I will tell you one of the things that I found most disappointing in my 16 years in Congress was the extent, even in that era, of crony capitalism. Uh, Capitalists would come forward and say, hey, do me this favor, (laughs) and I will get richer, and that's a good thing, and over after all— uh, the government isn't supposed to mess with me. I'm a businessman. Wrong, wrong, wrong. The idea of a free market is, in fact, that the governing principle is uh, supply and demand, that you can strike any bargain you want, parens, that is fair and within the law. And nobody ever says it 
can be unfair or outside the law that that is fair and within the law based on consumer demand and the existing supply. If there's a low supply uh, and a high demand, the price is going to be lower. And if there's uh, a a very uh, ample or, or restricted supply, uh, and uh, high demand, there's gonna, the price is going to be higher. That's a free market. It never meant a fraudulent market, a crooked market, uh, or a crony capitalism market. And in this case, uh, what at least to the as I understand what happened was Disney was given the power to enact laws governing itself. Right. It enacted laws benefiting itself, yeah. not benefiting society. Uh, it enacted laws which we would now call crony capitalism. And what Governor DeSantis did was not overregulate, which is what we conservatives don't like. He properly regulated. And if you don't think that's important, just think about the whole issue of fraud in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in the concept of free markets is there an endorsement of people who get into that market and then lie or cheat or steal, or commit fraud. So if the guy says, I'm going to sell you uh, a 2020 Ford F-250 pickup, because that's what you want, and it turns out to be a 2017 uh, Ford uh, F-250, and he changes various numbers and license plates and other things and defrauds you. Plays plays with the odometer a little bit. Plays with the odometer, whatever. That's not condoned by the free market. And it's important for Americans to understand that. And I think, of course, your audience does. Obviously, uh, uh, he didn't think his audience would understand the difference. Oh, if those conservatives are free markets, that means they can never regulate government or never regulate, I'm sorry, business, uh, because to regulate business would be bad. No, to overregulate business would be bad, uh, but not to regulate the marketplace at all and to allow either crony capitalism or just flat-out cheating uh, or fraud in the marketplace, that's not a part of a free market. It, I think, was pretty clearly just his effort, as you put it, to take a political shot at Ron DeSantis and hope hope his argument would win the day with certain, perhaps, supporters or perhaps just to get him through the interview. But you made another interesting point along the way, more on the political side of this question of who Chris Christie is or what Chris Christie is. Um, He hasn't been governor for some time. He hasn't been in charge of anything for some time. For a while, he was the darling of many conservatives, especially when he was going after the teachers unions and his videos kind of became their own cottage industry back when he was governor. But it didn't work for him. Something didn't pan out for him. I guess when he ran for president, uh, Donald Trump uh, beat him and kind of just didn't find him loyal enough to put him in the cabinet, I suppose. And as time kind of came and went, you see that a little bit, right? You see that from time to time with politicians who aren't quite, I guess they don't want to admit to themselves or they don't quite quote-unquote, read the room to understand it's not their time anymore. You see a fair amount of this, don't you? I see a fair amount of it, um, and, and often the ones that are, are read out or never make it to a higher level, yeah. uh, it's, it, it's a matter of personality or of uh, a lack of understanding or an inability to read a room and, yeah. and make the appeal. What sometimes drives me crazy is it 
is when uh, people genuinely believe themselves to be conservatives. And in fact, they don't really understand the philosophy. And it's shocking they don't understand it at all. To me, Mitt Romney just flat out is not now and never has been a conservative and has never understood the arguments at the bottom of our philosophy, which say, you know, conservative principles, uh, a a free market where supply and demand determine the price uh, and where people uh, one of the things you mentioned in your talking points today was people over profit. Well, yeah. the truth is profit is for people. Right. And anybody can say people over profit is if they put that bumper sticker on their car, what they're saying is. I'm not smart enough or I haven't tried hard enough to understand economics because profit is for people. And, you know, you can get to the depths of people who say, well, I'm angry that at, at corporations and we need to tax them higher. Once again, those are people who do not understand economics. The reality is, whether we like it or not, corporations don't pay taxes. They collect taxes and render them to the government. But. Uh, they don't, uh, in fact, generate uh, the revenue. They take the revenue from whoever buys the good and who consumes it. So if you buy a chocolate candy bar and you eat it and the government taxes it 5%, all the grocery store does when it charges you for that candy bar, a dollar and then five cents for the taxes, all of all the corporation that owns that grocery store is doing is collecting taxes. It's not paying taxes. So there is so much misunderstanding. And when you when you examine that in people who are leaders, especially people who are thought to be conservative leaders, it becomes very offensive to me uh, for uh, the governor from New Jersey to misuse or miss. Uh, report or misconstrue basic economics is bad because he'll confuse people who don't get the reality of how the system works. Abraham Lincoln said, as we go to break, we'll pick up on this when we come back. Abraham Lincoln said, property is the fruit of labor. Property is desirable, is a positive good in the world. That some should be rich shows that others may become rich and is hence just encouragement to industry and enterprise. Let not him who is houseless, pull down the house of another, but let him labor diligently and build one for himself, thus by example assuring that his own shall be safe from violence when built. Give me conservatives like that. John Shattuck and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman John Shadig is my guest. He is the head of Shattuck Associates, S-H-A-D-E-G-G. John, um, whether we're teaching politics or political philosophy or economics, it does seem that a lot of our leaders need to go back either to 101 or at least some grounding. You said something interesting about Mitt Romney, really never was a conservative. I I, I was in Massachusetts when he ran for Senate against Ted Kennedy— and then he uh, I left, but I watched him run for governor. He ran as a liberal Republican. He was very proud of this. And then he, as governor, planning, I guess, to run for president in 2008, did this dramatic lurch on the life position, which was a dramatic lurch. 
saying um, it was uh, the embryonic stem cell issue that got him to become pro-life, which was never really quite believable in the first place. And then um, lost to McCain, gave it again, I guess, in the primaries of 08, gave another effort at this in 2012. And I remember he used a phrase that no conservative would ever use. He he said, I'm severely conservative. Remember that? Oh. When I when I heard that, I thought, you know, that is a no conservative would ever say about themselves that they might say I'm a libertarian conservative. They might say I'm this kind of conservative or that kind of conservative. But no conservative would say I'm severely conservative. And he just seems to be another kind of you 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 put him together with Chris Christie, these these journeyman Republicans who's. Time has come and gone, but they were never teaching conservatives. You said it's important to teach political philosophy. It's important to teach economics. This was something Barry Goldwater was very good at with the work and help of your dad and conscience of a conservative. These these were teaching political masters. Ronald Reagan was very good about this. Absolutely. Right? They, 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 they took a philosophy, they shaped it, and they brought the people along with them. These are not things – that Mitt Romney or, or Chris Christie are capable of doing. Ron DeSantis may be, but, but, but not, not what I'm seeing with a big crop right now. I, I, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, but in some ways, it, it, there have always been people who, for example, decide, well, I, uh, I'm this or that, yeah. liberal or conservative, and then try to explain <laughs> their beliefs and say, well, those are conservative beliefs, yeah. and you discover... No, yeah, they just craft themselves. Not at all. It, right? It's just that you've decided that conservatism is, makes sense to you and is popular. Maybe you just decided it's popular, yeah. and so you want to exploit it. And there were lots of people that I served with in Congress who were good people, but they didn't wake up one morning and say, "This is a fight I want to be engaged in to advance individual freedom." And to enable people around the world to live better lives based on conservative principles of individual responsibility and hard work, uh, they woke up one morning and said, wow, it'd be cool to be a congressman. Yeah. And then the next thing they said is, well, I guess to be a congressman in my district, I better be a Republican. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, they think they know conservative politics and they think they know conservative policy and they're in voting on it. And they're voting completely in a way that is antithetical to actual conservative beliefs, such as uh, uh, the governor said when he said, well, uh, if Disney gets to write these laws, yeah. uh, it's wrong. Even when they write laws that are just self-serving, it's wrong for DeSantis to say, no, 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 yeah. we're not going to let you get away with that. Yeah, that's right. I, you um – when you were in Congress, I remember early on there were uh, a lot of efforts to reform education uh, where it could be reformed. Your old buddy Pete Hoekstra had a yep. uh, commission uh, on uh, uh, that I remember was really good, circa 99, 2000, something like that, highlighting the problems of education in America. And I remember you know, when we went to Congress, even though it was a Republican Congress, we had to deal with – a lot of liberal Republicans. Um, your your Congress had a lot of liberal Republicans in that caucus. And to be fair uh, to some of that, I mean, Madison was right when he said we're partly national, partly federal. Some of these regions were just never going to elect. I forget who the name of the chairman of the Education Committee was at the House. I remember tall, older guy, very moderate kind of Republican. Yep. Didn't have a lot of patience for some of the stuff we were trying to do. 
But, you know, at the same time, you know, you got, you know, places that people said would never elect a conservative like Pennsylvania and that Arlen Specter is what you think of right. as Pennsylvania. But then comes along Rick Santorum with a set of beliefs and the conviction of them and shows you can do it. You can do it if you have you know, the smarts and the conviction and the and the willingness and, and perhaps a little bit, just a little bit of courage. You can do it. You can create a conservative a consensus, even where people have assumed or written it off as it being a territory of liberalism. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think Bill Goodling. That was it. That was it. Was yeah. The yeah. Thank you. Good the, memory. Of the Education yeah. Committee. Yeah. Uh, it, was Actually, <laughs> it was hard to deal with. It was hard to deal with. But he was a he was a. a Nice guy yeah, to sure, deal with personally, sure, sure. but he was a very moderate uh, Republican. Uh, the t- my two best friends on that committee were Pete Hoekstra and Bob Schaefer of Colorado. Oh, yeah. I remember Bob Schaefer. Schaefer uh, uh, <coughs> coming from Michigan, Hoekstra uh, didn't come with kind of Barry Goldwater passion. Right. Uh, but Schaefer did. Yeah. And Schaefer Something pushed. Something about the West, there right? You go. Yeah. <laughs> Schaefer pushed. Uh, Hookstra to the right, and the two of them were the, kind of the vanguard of the right. Santorum was a, a conservative, a guy that understood philosophy. The other one that came from Pennsylvania, and I'm struggling with his name even though he's a good friend. He just left the Senate this last term. Uh, oh, we'll think of it in a second. Yeah. Uh, former uh, Pat Toomey. Pat Toomey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pat Toomey was very much like Santorum yeah. in that. Uh, Toomey was driven by economics, understood economic conservatism. Mm-hmm. Santorum, Santorum understood uh, economic uh, reality and yeah. understood the laws of economics, but he also was afraid of power. I went to him one time and said, look, uh, we don't have a healthcare market in America. People, if you can't select your provider, well, then there's no competition. And in America, we allow employers to pick the provider. Well, if you as the consumer then are given your provider and you go to the com- to the provider and complain, the provider doesn't care what's There's no incentive having. for them to change. Exactly. And Santorum and- said, you want me to go up against the health insurance lobby? Right. And I said, well, yeah, we need a marketplace here. <laughs> and that is a relic of I, the actually, old Roosevelt administration, though, isn't it? That, I ha- oh, that system. oh it's, a, it's a relic of World War II. We yeah. should go into it. The yeah. government set about creating policies which took the decision about who your doctor is away, largely away from you and gave it to your employer. And it's a system that doesn't work. I actually had this conversation with Santorum in a little room off the Senate floor. And he, he, he looked at me and said, you're going to, you're going to oppose the insurance industry. John, they're our friends and they're really powerful. Hold that. I said, yeah, but they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can be powerful. They can be wrong. Let me take a quick commercial break. John Shag and I'll come right back. There is something about these, these, these industries and these lobbies. Uh, I interview David Schweiker almost weekly and, uh, you know, he says if it weren't for that, thing called k street we could get a lot more done around here and it's not just k street anymore is it it's now i street and it's pennsylvania john shattuck and i'll be right back welcome back to the seth leapson show um Political philosopher John Shattig is in the house, sometimes known as a former congressman here from Arizona, served 16 years in the Congress and is 
Dad helped uh, create the modern uh, conservative movement in America. There's another aspect of conservatism that's been much talked about a lot lately, having to do with the social issues, John, particularly this issue on abortion. Speaking of Rick Santorum, that was one of his yep. calling cards. I, I try to remind the audience from time to time that the Republican Party always took social issues seriously from its very first days in 1856 in its very party platform. It spoke of the twin relics of barbarism, slavery and polygamy. Um, they didn't have abortion as an issue then, but slavery and polygamy, those were social issues. Utah couldn't get admitted until it got rid of politi- uh, polygamy as a state. And shipped it to northern Arizona. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. We don't talk about that, no, but don't. no. <laughs> but it does seem to me that if you uh, have the same kind of conviction and can try and bring the people along with you, Ronald Reagan had no problem with it and could win 49 states on this issue. And I, I, I just worry about a movement or at least uh, the grip of what I call Stockholm conservative Stockholm syndrome that tends to believe the mainstream narrative that the Republican Party has to abandon these central planks in order to win. I, I, I'm just not there, and I don't buy it. In fact, I resist it. I wonder where you are on this kind of stuff. Um, I resist it, and I lend support to others who resist it. It is very difficult to talk about when applied to modern-day conduct. Um, the parent of a of a high school girl who becomes pre- pregnant doesn't want to talk about philosophy or life or when life begins right. or uh, God's role in all of that. But I, I think the point you make is is a more important one, which is that the party has always been involved, and for that matter, that government has always, to some degree, been involved. The you know one of the I think beliefs of conservatism is. There are absolute truths and there are absolute there is such a thing as absolute right and absolute wrong. Clearly, definitely absolute wrong. There are lots of those things. And it's uh, in modern times when the concern about, well, how far should government or how far should uh, a political party get into a social issue? The question comes not at uh do you believe well it's now becoming do you believe there is such a thing right. as right or wrong right but when i was a kid growing up nobody would have stood and said well lying is okay yeah and murder is not wrong uh now we're getting to where we're toying with those things but that then raises the question of of tougher issues that lie in between uh such as abortion but uh i think and i your knowledge of conservatism exceeds mine in its, uh, I think, in some of its origin or your your ability to, to say where an idea came from. But uh, I I kind of grew up saying or learning or believing that uh, um, government is, in fact, uh, a reflection of the mores of society. And, and that is to say that the laws we pass reflect the moral values we hold. And those on the left uh, don't believe in that. They don't agree with it. And they think, well, uh, morals have no place in government, period. Uh, At least not our morals. That's right. And, and uh, that, I think, uh, 
would mean a system built on, well, there is no right and wrong. There is no such thing as lying uh, or telling the truth. There is no such thing as uh, uh, stealing is wrong uh, or cheating is wrong. And uh, if we go down that road and some are pushing us that way, then uh, in my view, we completely crumble and fall apart and become nothing but chaos. Yeah, I, th- it begs the question as to why. what's the purpose of government anyway? And it was something we started out understanding from James Madison, right? That if men were angels, no government would be necessary. But it was the understanding of human nature that men were not angels. We were a little lower than the angels, to put it into a biblical perspective, and required some of these civiliz- civilizing institutions. Let me let me take this quick commercial break and spend a little more time with you on this. This is— sure. This is a sweet spot of you and your pedigree here, if I, <laughs> if I may say so about you. John Shattig is my guest, the head of Shattig Associates and uh, political philosopher extraordinaire, former congressman representing uh, Congressional District 4, the old, the original, the great Congressional District 4 of this area. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Shattuck is my guest. In 1961, Barry Goldwater wrote this, which means John's dad (laughs) probably wrote this. The root difference between the conservatives and the liberals of today is that conservatives take account of the whole man, while the liberals tend to look only at the material side of man's nature. John's nodding, so we, he, we, we know he could probably do this by heart. I can't. <laughs> the conservative believes that a man is in part an economic, an animal creature, but that he is also a spiritual creature with spiritual needs and spiritual desires. What is more, these needs and desires reflect the superior side of man's nature and thus take precedence over his economic wants. Conservatism, therefore, looks upon the enhancement of man's spiritual nature as the primary concern of political philosophy. Liberals, on the other hand, in the name of concern for human beings, regard the satisfaction of economic wants as the dominant mission of society. They are, moreover, in a hurry, so that their characteristic approach is to harness the society's political and economic forces into a collective effort to compel progress. In this approach, they fight against nature. And he capitalized the word nature. He wrote this at the time, John, when he was describing the Democratic Party as a blueprint for socialism, or you and your family, your daddy and Barry Goldwater, were talking about the Democratic Party as the blueprint for socialism. And it is interesting that they use these words uh, like prog- progressive, that they use these words like collective, that they use these words like um, against nature. They saw something coming here that is here now, and I think as a movement, we hurt ourselves the further we wander from that great document. I don't think there's any question, but they did see something coming, and quite frankly, uh, perhaps they didn't see as far as we can now see and and have to live with. Uh, It wasn't just uh, liberalism coming or progressive coming. We now have... Uh, these woke beliefs and beliefs that just uh, uh, totally offend are, and are completely uh, out of um, any sense of reality in connection with even the physical world. So a boy can become a girl. A girl can become a boy. Uh, That's fighting nature. Absolutely. <laughs> Capital N. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently I just just heard I guess nature is the new N-word to the left. It could be. Yeah. 
Um, well, it, they didn't like natural rights, right? Uh, right. Right. To right. begin with, right. Right. So, uh, you know, they they reject the consensus upon which America was built. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the laws of law. Are they what is the laws of nature and nature's God right? and nature's God. Yeah. Right. So, uh, which was put back, by the way, originally in that old 1856 First Republican Party platform, the Republicans, John C. Fremont, and all those folks, they thought it was important to reinstantiate the Declaration of Independence too. It is our founding document. It is our organizing document. And interestingly, um, recently, a, a couple uh, here in Phoenix uh, who were uh, became childless; their only child passed away. Uh, and left to the Goldwater Institute mm-hmm. a very, very substantial gift. And that gift is to be used uh, by the Goldwater Institute uh, solely, well, actually used by uh, an institute they created within the Goldwater Institute, uh, the purpose of which uh, is to advance the under and understanding of the Constitution as the founders intended it. Oh, wow. And uh, it is well-funded, and the monies are to be solely to teach uh, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence as the uh, founding fathers wrote them. Uh, and and I think that could become uh, a fantastic influence on the country, because tell it, them we'll help them. I, maybe you're already on board, but offer us up. That would be fun. Yeah, if they it, want. It, no. it just seems to me, and and there's some struggling going on about exactly what, uh, who's going to teach it, and how skilled you know those people should be, and how aggressive they should be. But it's a mission. Uh, you know, a lot of think tanks or conservative think tanks like the Goldwater Institute are doing the popular right. things. Right. You know, um, trying to fight. Things that come up in the news, you right. know, what, what I call not the durables. Right. And this is about the durables, it sounds yeah, they're, like. They're trying to fight uh, the corruption of the education right. industry, and I'm all for that. But when you think about it, we've fought so many of those other things without teaching the kind of the fundamentals. The reasons. Well, you know, what are the principles upon which the Declaration of Independence was founded, and what does it call for? And why are the words in the Constitution what they are? And what did the founders intend them? And what did the meaning of those? What was the meaning of those words when the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence were written? And I kind of, I, I think it's a fantastic idea, because I think a lot of people never think about it. That's right. A lot of the left, you know, remember they they reject the founders themselves, right. and if if you reject the founders, then certainly you're. You don't put any importance on the words they chose or what they intended. And the left doesn't agree with this, but uh, I think the vast majority of us agree that what they created was the single most successful form of government in human history that has made uh, more people uh, um, more prosperous and healthy and happy than any other form of government in, in the history of man. And, uh, you know, you look at look at the energy policy, you know, in much of the world, they're still burning dung. And, of course, look at the standard of living in those places versus the standard of living here. And they would kind of furrow their brow and say, well, that has nothing to do with uh, 
America or its founding or the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. And the truth is it has everything to do with those documents and the principles that were taught. The truth is, you know, given opportunity to succeed based on our own drive and energy, uh, we can produce for ourselves more than any other system will allow us to produce and raise the whole of society. Uh, I, I used to get kind of excited about telling people, look, conservatism isn't for the wealthy. Conservatism is creates the greatest benefit for the greatest number of people. It allows the an individual born with nothing uh, to become uh, immensely successful. I, I looked at my dad. He he was penniless growing up, and he became you know quite financially successful. Maybe not a bazillionaire because he threw a lot of his energy and time into philosophy, but uh, this system. And I look at other kids. I went to law school with a kid uh, who uh, lost both of his parents. They were uh, not productive people at a young age. Uh, he got himself through uh, grade school and, and high school. And then he started salmon fishing, uh, made a fair amount of money, decided that he wanted to buy his own salmon boat. Uh, so he was going to law school uh, one semester a year and running his salmon boat, which he had by then purchased the other semester and doing extremely well. And I think he's now hugely successful. But no system would allow that to happen. Certainly not the communist system of either Russia or China. John Shattuck, I think I could sum up uh, what we've done this hour uh, by saying um, three words. Well, five words. First of all, thank you. And then the other three are only in America. Right. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Until next week. I'm Seth Leibs, and I'll come back with a concluding thought. Only in America, James Brown. Well done, David. Thank you, folks. With all of the vagaries in the economy, bank failures, stock market volatility, recession on the horizon, possibly. Why refi is offering the investment in a por- uh, uh, their investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on, you can turn it off, you compound it, compound it, whatever you like. And no loss of principle if you need your money back at any time. Think of that freedom. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate of up to 10.25%. Why refi is local? I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there many times. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. And when you meet with the team at Why Refi, You'll see why I trust them, and you can too. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that yields an up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's right, 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. 888-YREFI-34. It was fun. Going over some of those words uh, from Conscience of a Conservative with John Shattuck, words no doubt his dad helped write, and uh, and I left off at uh, Barry Goldwater's writing or collaborative writing where Barry Goldwater writes, I believe they, the left, the progressive left, fight against nature, capital N. In the next paragraph in Conscience of a Conservative, he writes, surely the first obligation of a political thinker is to understand the nature of man. The conservative does not claim special powers of perception on this point, 
but he does claim a familiarity with the accumulated wisdom and experience of history, and he is not too proud to learn from the great minds of the past. That's an important point, the respect for the past, the respect for intelligence and lack of pride in thinking you have and know it all. Think of the contrast between someone who wants to look at the wisdom, the accumulated wisdom and experience of history, and respect it, versus, oh, I don't know, someone like an AOC who is too proud to think that those quote-unquote great minds of the past have anything to inform us here. In that vein, she is in the tradition of the progressive movement, as Woodrow Wilson himself put it, about the Declaration of Independence way back at the early part of the 20th century when he said it is up to each generation to define what its self-evident truths are. Well, if it is, then they're not self-evident. And maybe, just maybe, the system that gave us the ability for someone as a Woodrow Wilson or a AOC or a you or a me or a David to accomplish what we are able to accomplish and do what we are able to do in this country comes maybe not from the vagaries and vicissitudes of each generation defining what self-evident truths are, but those tried-and-true things that those founders did put pen to paper and create this great last best hope of mankind to give and ring to us. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Thank you, David. I'm Seth Liebson. Class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.